you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Uh, my name is Erin. My pronouns are she, her. Happy to be here. It's always wonderful to listen to the Holy Spirit as he stirs something in me that I might share it and hope that it might stir something in you. Um, But as we gather on this second Sunday of Advent, we again acknowledge in this season the anticipation and the preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Jesus' birth was in a particular region, narrowed down to a particular city, town, and neighborhood on a piece of land in Bethlehem. Located in the fertile limestone hill country of the Holy Land, 10 kilometers south of Jerusalem. I think there's something really powerful in remembering the history of land and place. And so we also acknowledge the history of the land we are now standing or sitting on. Tonight, we honor the first peoples of current day downtown Phoenix, the Thana Otham Nation. In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper, they were and they are here. We see you, we honor you. And we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where creator settled your people. We bless you. And we bless your elders past, present, and emerging. Our scripture tonight is Mark 1, 1 through 8, which says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, your word has been spoken. Would you give us new vision to see Jesus from a different perspective? Jesus being declared from the wilderness from the mouth of John the Baptist. Jesus, the coming Savior for the oppressed people. We lean in and listen to your words, Jesus, that we might practice your ways as the multi-ethnic family of God. In your name we pray. Amen. What I appreciate most about John the Baptist is that in his words and in his deeds, he is shaping the imagination of the people to be ready to receive this Jesus whom Isaiah prophesied about. John the Baptist is helping them imagine one who is more powerful than he was, whose sandals John was not worthy to stoop down and untie. 
He's helping them imagine someone who will baptize them with the Spirit. He's helping them imagine what it looks like to be immersed into a way of life that no longer exploits the vulnerable, but assists in their holistic well-being. John was conditioning the people's imagination to receive Jesus by remembering what Isaiah the prophet said in chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, and from that time on and forever. This zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I finished a book last week that's literally taken me a year to read. It'd be like that sometimes. But the book was called Where Do We Go From Here by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And my favorite chapter, honestly, was probably the last chapter where he lays out a vision of where a society can go after experiencing the deep pains of Jim Crow and the horrific years of slavery. He, too, beckons readers to envision and conceptualize a peaceful society. Last week, Kendall read an excerpt from that chapter, and I want to read to you um, that excerpt again because I think it's fitting for our time tonight. Dr. King says this, It is not enough to say, we must not wage war. It is necessary to love peace and sacrifice for it. We must concentrate not merely on the eradication of war, but on the affirmation of peace. A fascinating story about Ulysses. Is that how you pronounce his name? Ulysses? Okay, I should have asked before I said this. but And the sirens is preserved for us in Greek literature. The sirens had the ability to sing so sweetly that sailors could not resist steering toward their island. Many ships were lured upon the rocks, and men forgot home, duty, and honor as they flung themselves into the sea to be embraced by arms that drew them down to death. Ulysses determined not to succumb to the sirens. He first decided to tie himself tightly to the mast of his boat, and his crew stuffed their ears with wax. But finally, he and his crew learned a better way to save themselves. They took on board the beautiful singer, Orpheus, whose melodies were sweeter than the music of the sirens. When Orpheus sang, who would bother to listen to the sirens? So we must see that peace represents a sweeter music, says Dr. King, a cosmic melody that is far superior to the discords of war. Somehow we must transform the dynamics of the world power struggle from the nuclear arms race, which no one can win, to a creative contest to harness man's genius for the purpose of making peace and prosperity a reality for all the nations of the world. 
The title of my talk tonight is, Can You Imagine Peace? Can you imagine peace? Can you see it in your mind's eye? Can you imagine the people of Gaza no longer displaced in their homes, children playing and singing, feasting on cultural delicacies, laughing together, hospitals thriving and families filled with joy? Can you imagine peace? Can you imagine Israel at peace with themselves, no longer fighting, but a decision made to cease fire and be at peace with the world? Can you see it? Because it is that faith-filled imagination that creates a pathway for our feet to walk on so that that imagined reality becomes reality. It is our ability to prophetically imagine peace that gives us the ability to become a beloved community. I recently heard a powerful social commentary by a queer African-American thought leader named Ryan Ken. And he said this, and in this process and in this journey of reckoning with history and how it intersects with my own life, I find myself longing to know what the faith and religious practices of my ancestors were before the interruption of slavery, before the introduction of this white supremacist Christian teaching, because if you think about it, white slave owners didn't want us to have anything, not even our own children, but for whatever reason, we could have Jesus because they didn't see it as a story that compelled them to behave in a morally upright way, as evidenced by the fact that they were slave owners and slave masters. He said, I think we as black people breathed life into Jesus. I think black people animated Jesus through the power of their own magic, he said. I imagine it was their faith prior to that introduction of Christianity that was what really terrified their white slave owners. Because it's interesting to me that colonialism has required taking people's faith away from them. Overtaking a people's spirituality is a huge part of how you conquer a people. Even if you think about the history of slave revolts in the Caribbean and the Americas, many of them were led by people who still remembered their old African or indigenous religious practices. And then he said, as I'm watching these videos of people that are coming out of Palestine, one of the things I am in awe of is their faith. This profound Faith carried by an absolute sure knowledge that in their worst moment, they know God is on their side. They know God is on the side of them. That is the type of faith-filled imagination that I want. I want that Palestinian faith that still believes God will come and bring justice even as they cry out from under the rubble for someone to come and save them. 
I want that Palestinian faith that still believes in a God of justice as they cry over their lifeless children and walk through bombed houses of worship, homes, schools, and hospitals. I want that West African faith that still believes that they can still imagine a world where they are not being whipped, raped, uh, clogged, flogged, beaten, spat on, tortured, and mocked as a result of white rage and white slave ownership. I want that West African faith that can still imagine peace in the midst of horrific torture. I want that West African faith that breathes life into Jesus, who resembles the Exodus story that they never even read because it was removed from their slave Bible. I want the children of Israel faith that can manifest prophecies of a little baby being born called Jesus, who comes as a result of their cries for God to hear them and deliver them from the Egyptian enslavement. I want that faith-filled imagination that sees peace even under the rubble. Because if you think about it, we here as the multi-ethnic family of God are the community that black activist Fred Hampton imagined when he said we must learn to live in solidarity with each other across cultures. I am the manifestation of my fourth great-grandmother who was born a slave, but imagined one day that she would be free. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. imagined a society that centered the voices, wisdom, and well-being of the most vulnerable among us, and so here we are, Kaleo. They imagined peace, and so it was. My friends, can we imagine it too? My closing invitation is for us to become childlike in our imagination. Author and writer Ashley Mike says, children are born with this incredible power to imagine things. They can turn a cardboard box into a spaceship or a simple stick into a magical wand. The constraints of reality and logic do not limit their minds. They can easily dream up entire worlds and characters that do not yet exist. So I'd like to read to you an imaginative story as our prayer practice tonight, that we might lean into the Spirit's gravitational pull where imagination meets peace and manifests itself into reality. Let's pray together. And imagine Jesus reading to you this story. Once upon a time, in a colorful world filled with laughter and joy. There was a magical era when the people of the planet worked together to overcome big challenges. It was a time of heroes where the power of cooperation and kindness made the world a better place for everyone. In their world, a sneaky germ named COVID-19 tried to make Everyone feels sick. But the people were clever and brave. They joined hands across the world, and together they found ways to stop the germ from spreading. 
They created special potions called vaccines that protected everyone. And soon the world was filled with happy faces again. At the same time, the planet itself was feeling a a little bit under the weather. The weather was getting too hot and storms were becoming too strong, but the people decided to be good caretakers of their home. They planted trees. They stopped throwing trash everywhere and even began to talk to the clouds about being a little less rainy. And soon the sun smiled, the trees danced, and the storms became gentle whispers in the wind. In the kingdom of money, where coins and dollars lived, some coins were much bigger and shinier than others. And the people didn't think that that was fair. So they decided to be share, to share and be friends with everyone, making sure everyone had enough shiny coins to build their dreams. And in no time, everyone in the kingdom had a chance to build the biggest, most colorful castles and share them with their friends. Meanwhile, in the land of leaders and rulers, sometimes things got a bit too noisy. There were fights and arguments, and the people wanted to change that, so they held big meetings where everyone talked and listened. They discovered that listening to each other made the noise go away, and soon the leaders were laughing and playing games instead of arguing. Peaceful days became the norm. Can you imagine it? But there was one more adventure left. In a world where some people had to leave their homes because of troubles, the people decided to build bridges instead of walls. And they welcomed friends from faraway lands. And together they shared stories, songs, and delicious meals. No one felt alone anymore. And the world became a giant playground for everyone to explore. As the children of this magical world listened to the stories of their elders, they learned about the times when challenges were faced with courage, when kindness conquered, when working together made dreams come true. The children with stars in their eyes imagined a future where the world was always filled with laughter, where everyone was a friend, and where every day felt like a magical story with a happy ending. And so the children and their families lived happily ever after, making the world brighter and more beautiful with each passing day. Let's have Jesus have the last word. And in this moment, I invite you to sit with him in your imagination and ask Jesus, what part do I play in this world of peace?
Lord Jesus, in this season of Advent, would you help us to imagine peace in a world where we don't see it always? And would you help us to imagine ways we might participate in bringing peace to the world we live in? In your name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.